everybody's working. With that time, yours. I'm not sure how many times in NFL history this has been the case, but I kind of feel like we're about to talk about the extremely rare primetime trap game for the Kansas City Chiefs. Like, it's rivalry, division rivalry primetime trap game where we've got the division rival, we got the bright lights of Sunday Night Football, Mm -hmm. we got a 10-1 football team here, Yep, and... Also, this team had to play last week without a quarterback, and even when they do have a quarterback, they haven't been very good, and they absolutely blew this team out of the water like five or six weeks ago, and uh, they got a couple more interesting games coming around towards the end of the season. So that's where we're at. Nate, is that, do you think that's fair? <laughs> Nate Taylor Nate Taylor of The Athletic speaking to me, Joshua Briscoe, here on Times Ours, a podcast about the Kansas City Chiefs? Uh, yeah, the, the trappiest of trap games, right? I mean, yeah. now, I have some respect. Some for Vic Fangio. I, I think sure. he is good at his job. He needs mm-hmm. better players and he needs a general manager who has a better understanding of the modern NFL. That is neither here nor there. Um, now, I bring up Vic Fangio because can can the can the circumstances lead to a combination of another kitchen sink game, which are incredibly becoming one of my favorites now. <laughs> it's like, yeah, absolutely. Because the Tampa Bay Buccaneers tried to play a shootout and we all knew by like five minutes into the game, what y'all doing? <laughs> what are y- <laughs> what are y'all doing? Okay, so you tried to play a shootout with Tom Brady. Cool. Uh, we all saw what the Carolina Panthers did. Is there enough pressure psychologically, verbally, hell, physically upon Drew Locke coming to his hometown because he didn't wear a mask the other day? Is there enough pressure that we could get a Derek Carr-like performance out of Drew Locke with Vic Fangio being like, why would I kick to the Chiefs? Hell, all the onside kicks, all the fake points. Like, can like we're on national TV anyway to get embarrassed, right? The only reason this game hasn't been flexed out is because Patrick Mahomes is the MVP and, like, people want to watch that, right? <laughs> like, yep. Like, that's the only – we are only here to be a Disney foe. <laughs> like, we're only yeah. here – to get mauled. Um, so look, I, I've I have now motivated Broncos and Broncos fans, I'm sure, but like feels a little trappy, just just a little, just like a smidge trappy. And you hope that trap involves a kitchen sink? Yeah. Yeah, I'd like a kitchen sink a, a kitchen sink trap where that's it's just sort of like you get your hand caught in the garbage disposal, you know, like one of those kind of games would be uh, or at least keep things a little bit interesting. And that's, uh, Seth's not here today. Uh, he, you know, got very angry at me last episode and then he quit. So he'll never be back. Um, that's not true. I can't leave. I can't trust <laughs> I wasn't Twitter. Gonna I don't, say anything. <laughs> I, I can't trust Twitter. I can't, I'm afraid. I do. I trust Danielle whenever it matters, but whenever it can just get me in small amounts of trouble, I don't trust Danielle at all because she'll do that. Uh, so no, Seth is just not here today. He'll, he'll be back uh, yes. for the next he, episode. He, he also, you know, he has what? Five kids, a wife, four jobs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, just, it's a scheduling cost. It's just, it just happens, you know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, now I'll tell you what, if we would have just not mentioned it and he had left the show when he had previously planned to last episode, we'd be in a very different headspace we, right now. Yes. Cause he would have, it basically would have been Seth hanging up the phone and then not picking up whenever we call, you know, like that would have been very dramatic. Unfortunately though, for the sake of podcast downloads, that's not the the truth of the matter. Fortunately, for the sake of the podcast in the interim, though, you know, in, in the long term, much better to know that Seth will be back soon. But he's not here today. Um, so just me and Nate. But 
Uh, I don't remember what I was going to say before that. I got very distracted by, I don't know, maybe just how weird things have been. And I needed to mention that Seth wasn't here. But like looking looking at this game and and the idea that, you know, uh, hand in the garbage disposal, whatnot. Yes. The the idea that there could be a little like just just a wrench thrown in somewhere, just a little bit of a surprise, a little bit caught off guard. And this is I know this is like the nature of a trap game. But the the, the thing that I keep getting back to, I, I honestly, it's twofold for me. and, and uh, you know, we heard from Andy Reid. Uh, we're recording this on, on Thursday evening. We heard from Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes yesterday. We heard from the coordinators earlier today. So, you know, Nate, you can tell me if you think this is a, a true read. But I think the two things that I keep going back to against a team like the Broncos is that if the Chiefs were totally on their heels and they were down, they were down, you know, 17 to 3 at halftime, I would, I would still be like 98% confident they're winning that game. Mm-hmm. Even if they start very flat and they don't wake up until halftime. Yeah. The I other can, thing. I can, I can put a number of scenarios where that might be the case, right? Penalties, couple turnovers, somebody fumbles, yep. he scoop and score, you know, yep. deflected pick six. Like, I'm not saying this for like Chiefs fans to like start having like panic attacks, but you can right. see like for 30 minutes, we played like hot garbage. And then for the next 30 right. minutes, we played like the defending Super Bowl champs. So, I can definitely see that, and maybe there's something on tape that Denver sort of exposes or exploits um, in one of their first drives to get up. You know, like, like, look, the NFL is designed to have, you know, closer games than any other, you know, resembling anything resembling football. <laughs> so, yeah, right. Uh, it's weird because it's, it's not the conventional trap game, I would say, where I just look at the schedule and look, it's 2020. I can barely keep up with this week. I just mm-hmm. had to look up online. The Chiefs are playing the Miami Dolphins next. Okay. So not, yes. not a circle it on your calendar. Get ready for that. That is more um towards the Dolphins week, actually, because you'd be coming from a primetime game to a noon kickoff. I think that's actually a good point. And, yeah, then, and they're better than the Broncos. Yeah. Well, they are better than the Broncos, although they did lose to the Broncos. So again, tricky, tricky season we in. But that's I guess fair. Yeah. But then then you could look at maybe the Dolphins being a team that's desperate for a win because they're trying to stay afloat in the AFC East. And maybe that's the trap game because you're looking forward towards the Saints and maybe the potential, the slight slim probability that maybe Drew Brees and all of his broken ribs are back. Um, Mm -hmm. So there there's definitely a, a, a roadmap here. The likelihood of it occurring, I think, is is slim. I think we both agree on that. Um, But outside of. Just everything that's gone on with the Chiefs this week and what's gone on with the Broncos, um, it, it was one of the it was one of the weird weeks for me, <laughs> Josh. I'm like, you know, usually on like Monday night, Tuesday morning, I usually I usually just click through, hit the little game pass condensed tab. Let's just mm-hmm. roll through this, baby. Let's just roll what the Buccaneers doing now. Thankfully, I saw that previously live on ESPN because it was obviously the Monday night football game. But, you know, mm-hmm. most weeks you got to go through Game Pass and see, like, hey, you know, uh, I saw some things on Red Zone, but, like, let's let's let's, let's roll through it. Um, I hope the Denver Broncos didn't watch that game last week. I hope there was no tape stuff. <laughs> There's no tape session. Like, yeah, just 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 send it into Saturn. OK, because. Yes. Man, I mean, I, I'm I have so much respect for Kendall because I think I lived through him on Sunday where it was just <laughs> like, oh, this. This is what it would look like if I was in the best shape of my life. <laughs> and they were still. <laughs> and I was still only going to get one completion. So credit to him. 
um, for for soldiering on. The Broncos' defense, I think, is the most translatable thing to the game, Josh, for two reasons. Mm-hmm. They actually played well in the first half. Um, they clearly saw something from what the Saints had done previously with Tyson Hill, and they made him, you know, below average. Uh, right. The only reason they lost that game was because, you know, just the, the <laughs> as the game goes along, the defense realizes, oh, we ain't going to get no points today. <laughs> like, right. we can't play to a 0-0 rock fight. And the Saints have good coaching staffs, and they make adjustments. And they're like, wow, Taysom Hill can't pass the ball. You know what we should do? Have him be a running back. That just plays yep. quarterback as well. Um, secondly, there are some things in the first matchup between Chiefs and Broncos. And I know, I know, that game was over the moment Byron Pringle caught that kickoff. But mm-hmm. the Chiefs offensive line, still a little shaky. Just just a little. Um, the, the Broncos pass rush, still legitimate. And that should be the biggest thing that concerns you. There's nothing else on the team that worries me. Maybe maybe Judy. I love Judy. God, I wish Judy had a better quarterback. And I'm saying that with Kansas City's own Drew Locke back there. Yeah, man. you're not talking about Kendall Hinton. Oh, no, no. Man, <laughs> I love Jerry Judy. I loved him coming out of the draft. And it sucks when you know that dude is great and um, everything around him ain't as good as he is. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the only thing that should worry Chiefs fans, X's and O's wise, is that pass rush for the Broncos. Because that pass rush is legitimate. Like, yeah, you know, the Saints have a good offensive line. The Dolphins have an improving offensive line. And they made Tua get worse as the game progressed. So, mm-hmm. for Mahomes' sake, you got to keep 15 upright. You got to keep him clean. He had a strip sack fumble last week. Those, That's the only thing that really worries me. What what if anything worries you, Josh, <laughs> outside of the trap well, of this? Well, so the, I'll give you kind of one thing on each side. One is I think the pass rush is a good point, and also to their credit, I mean, they're doing it uh, without Von Miller. Like, that's, you know, yes. the, the first guy you would look at yes. to say, ah, this is where this pass rush is legit. He's not there right now. Um, the the one, that That's the main thing I think is that you could see, you know, maybe maybe the Chiefs end up having, uh, you know, a, a moment or two they stub their toe offensively, and you go like, oh, I wish they were kind of blowing this team out. I I mean, if we get here, we're doing the show on Monday, and the final score of this game was, you know, 34 to 31. Then I'll have a whole bunch of things to say about the Chiefs defense. Mm-hmm. I just, I would be really surprised. I mean, and, you know, again, weird enough things could happen to where the, the Broncos cover, you know, plus 14. But the the one thing that I, I think people might be thinking about, and it's, again, it's kind of the idea of the primetime trap game. But... Not only do I think that if they came out on their heels a little bit, they would still, you know, maybe not cover, but still definitely win. I just, I, I mean, I was saying this in the offseason, and so I'm going to stick to my guns on it. I don't think this team has much of, if any, look ahead in them or like falling asleep or, or you know, right. getting satisfied and putting things on cruise control. It just doesn't. And listen, I, I know that. I say this all the time also, so, you know, if you follow a bunch of my various spoken word mediums, you're probably sick of hearing me say this, but I try not to dig into, like, the locker room or, like, culture stuff too much because there's so much of that we don't see. Right. Even whenever the locker rooms are open, open, you know, Mm you're getting getting 10%. You're seeing, you know, the tip of the iceberg in that regard. This year, we're seeing less of that than ever. We're seeing what they put out on Twitter and on, on social and everything. So I understand there's a ton of of guesswork we're doing around the edges there. But I just don't feel like literally anybody high up on this team 
has any of that like ah it's the Broncos were probably good because I I feel like the you know the head coach certainly right the the coordinators certainly the quarterback certainly his main offensive weapon certainly they they want to be the Death Star you know they want to go through and obliterate the rest of their division and and step and they also they know where the standards are at not just externally but internally if they go out and they lay an egg on national TV against the Broncos. They're they're too good for that to just sort of roll off their back. Like that'll stick to them, right? And then all of a sudden, they're you know maybe they end this season five hundred in the AFC West if they lose in Week Seventeen against the Chargers. No, man, there's no way. I, I just I think they could be groggy coming into this game and would still be fine. I just don't. I think for the most part, we we've seen you know a mistake here or there, like you know last week's. Less, less aggressiveness on fourth down. Even as the Chiefs have been pretty aggressive on fourth down this year, right? We we've seen them stub their toe. We've seen McCole Hardman drop a pass or whatever. But I think for the most part, those things can be explained, not explained away, just explained, and you can kind of see where that comes from. And I just don't think any of it's like oh they've gotten complacent or whatever. Like I think I think most of these things have sort of real explanations behind them in a way that keeps me from being any sort of nervous about this game. Yep, and you also have to acknowledge too. Uh, that they're still chasing the Steelers. Like there's still, yeah, there's still something to go after. Uh, because they obviously understand the importance of having a first round bye. It led to their, you know, it, it sparked their success. Um, to obviously becoming Super Bowl champions. Um, if you get the bye, I think it's like seventy nine percent of the time the champion comes from the team that gets the bye. Obviously, those statistics those statistics will change over time as we only have sure. one bye per conference. But like th- those guys understand the the goal. So. You know, on a flow chart, it's like if you beat the Broncos, you're automatically into the playoffs. You could be terrible from this point forward and you would still be in the playoffs. Um, you know, if they win, they still keep pressure on the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I know we're going to get to them mm-hmm. later. If mm-hmm. they win, uh, they are still in a position to improve their play as they move closer to like January. Like, Mm-hmm. This this has a good this has somewhat of a of a memory or some you know parallel I should say to the primetime game against the Bears last year where mm. it was like I mean we're only doing this because Mahomes is playing the Chicago yeah. Bears and NBC's yeah. like no child I I must keep this game <laughs> even though there yeah. were I believe there were like two better games per record um, last year NBC was like don't you don't you don't you even dare think about <laughs> taking Patrick right. Mahomes from the Chicago Bears game away from us. So there's an element of the defense, and that's the game where I kind of started to believe what guys were, were starting to tell me in the locker room last year, which is like, if we go to Chicago and we just maul them, if we make them, them feel us and we don't give up any mistakes and we just play collectively together, then – we should really be ready to go come January. Now, obviously, they mm. were down 24 nothing to the Texans. Believe me, I'm aware. But mm. it was the first true sign that, like, they had started to turn a corner. They kind of need to do that again on defense. They are trending yeah. in a better direction, which is what I wrote earlier in The Athletic. They're having to blitz a lot more. But there's multiple guys, whether it's Juan Thornhill, Frank Clark, um, even, you know, young guys like LeJarius Need and Mike Dana, who are getting pretty significant amounts of snaps. I know you want me to say his name. I know it's not <laughs> September. Hell, I know it ain't even October no more. We are in December. I don't know 
what they're doing with Willie Gay Jr., okay? I have no idea at this point. Somebody told me in training camp what the plan was. Clearly, the plan has not gone according to what they thought it was going to go. So, hey. The crazy thing is that the person that told you that was just a dude in the parking lot. It was like, ah, oh, you should have really seen through that day. So, so, hey, it's December. Hey, I thought Willie Gay was going to be like, make it in rows to be like a starter, a guy that you needed to be on the field. Pretty big game for him if you put him on the field against the Denver Broncos. So there's enough motivation, I think, around for the team, um, particularly on defense. And I think offensively, it's a primetime game against a divisional opponent. And Andy Reid usually starts to, you know, empty the creative back. And it look, yeah. like, that's how he keeps them focused. It's crazy. It's crazy that they are Super Bowl champions with the MVP. And the one of the best ways the coach keeps them focused is, well, guys, I mean, if we get in the red zone, we could run some fun stuff. Like, but, yeah. but you got to get the ball down there. That's <laughs> basically you're, what he's telling you. You're so them. right, though. I mean, you're so right. Cause, and, man, there were a lot of questions <laughs> about the Black Pearl play. Like, I believe I believe you couched your question with, like, I'll ask about something, something else, else here. Yes. <laughs> um, which is so great. And you wrote about the trick play stuff. I mean, now, you know, weeks ago, you, you went through some of that. Um, I guess it wasn't that long. It was like, yeah, it was like two weeks ago. Yeah, it was after the bye. Um, mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, we, we've talked about that here and like, all the questions about the one that didn't work. I just thought it was kind of funny because I don't think any of the other ones got that much attention. Right. But you're, you're right that like, and that game was against, you know, that, that was early in the game against the, the Buccaneers, a, a really good team. But I feel like we're going to get to a point where they're up by a possession in this game and they're in the red zone and we're going to see something wonky happen. Maybe this is the Chris Jones one, you know? Maybe this is the time mm. where uh, where Chris Jones gets to he, he throw had, a... You know, when, he, when he's talked to Josh, he's been like, look, man, I got to play in the playbook. And I'm like, okay, but maybe you're right, Josh. Maybe this is the time to run it out there. <laughs> the because, because, you know, it's... It's not going to cost you the game if it doesn't work, but it's in prime time, so it's good for him if it does. You know, But like, you're right, I think we probably see some of those things. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Um, and I mean, of all of the sort of various storylines, again, there's all of the stuff there. Um, one, one thing that this is slightly different, but I'll shift gears a little bit here because it's something we talked about a lot last week. and then. It seems like the the uh, Raiders rematch may have been the anomaly here, but we heard from Juan Thornhill today. Yes, and just as a quick crash course as to kind of where this ended up being a conversation. So he plays sixty four percent of the snaps in Week One, coming back from the ACL, but then from Weeks Two through Six, he plays all or almost all of the snaps in every single game. You know, he missed like five or six snaps in that four game stretch. Then from the uh, Denver game through the Panthers game, Denver Jets Carolina, he he plays 68%, 84%, 81%. Mm-hmm. He becomes a heavy rotation part-time player, more or less the third safety, you know, the, the way they were using defensive backs. Some of that also was before Sneed came back. Right. And so Spags and, had a and, lot of flexibility and, and, with his You know, they field. needed him too because Bashad Breeland had his four-game suspension. So yeah, it was... 
at the beginning. Yeah, it was yeah. kind of circumstantial. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So and so then closer to full health then, and and I, I don't know, you know, what you needed to see from Snead to be kind of full full rev or whatever. But in the rematch against the Raiders, Thornhill played eleven snaps. Wild. And just wild. That's a. It's it's crazy. That's nineteen percent of the snaps just to kind of keep in that format for everybody's brains. And, you know, Dan Sorensen played, I believe, 100% of the snaps in that game or, or very, very close to it. Tyron Matthew played, obviously, almost every snap all year defensively. Um, Thornhill clearly dropped down the list. They cut Tedrick Thompson, which is fine, except for then, like, Armani Watts shows up last week and has a bad, a bad play, whatever. Just safety position's been kind of odd. But then against Tampa, he plays 69% of the snaps. And that that 19%, the 11-snap game, clearly the outlier there. But around that, you know, Andy Reid said he was a rotational player, but he was trying to get healthy. Tyron Matthew talked about, like, helping him understand his role. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Spags talked about him kind of, like, getting his confidence back or whatever. It was just, I, I think this show, you know, between you, me, and Seth pretty unanimously was like, you know, there's this doesn't necessarily mean this is what's going to look like for the rest of the season. but. It was very, very, very weird. And him playing 40 snaps last week, kind of back on pace with his week one performance, I don't know if that makes it any less weird. I still have a lot of questions. What did you learn from Thornhill talking today? Yeah, you set it up great because it, it's still somewhat confusing. But the way Thornhill said it but didn't quite say it like exactly that I interpret is the idea is, okay, we got you to the point where you can play every snap, right? And he's like, right. Now, are you great on every snap? And the answer, of course, is no. Like, you would have to be, not even Patrick Mahomes is great on every snap. So you're trying to understand where this person is within the role as the secondary changes. And Josh, as you know this, um, the secondary is like finally healthy. Like, it took 12 games, basically, for Legereus need to be put in a role that they would have put him in, you know, had Bushard really not been suspended, had he not had the collarbone injury, had Traverius Ward not had the hand problem, and obviously yep. Juan Thornhill coming back off of the ACL. So, what I take from this is, and I might be wrong, but it's my best guess right now. They know that they can get away with playing, They, I'll say this, they thought they could get away without playing Juan Thornhill because they thought for sure, kind of like me, There's no way Derek Carr's throwing the ball deep on two games against us, right? There's no way. (laughs) And then halfway through the game, they were like, hey, is Juan here? Because Dean is getting cooked right now. (laughs) Like, and so they've systematically figured out something on the schedule. And again, this is my best guess. I have not confirmed this, just just my best guess reading everything. You know, CBS ran a statistic last week that um, Tom Brady hadn't completed a pass over 20 yards. In, like, Mm -hmm. his last 20 attempts, okay? Mm -hmm. So, you can think, hey, uh, Gronk is not at his peak. Maybe Dan Mm -hmm. Soros can cover him. Mm -hmm. Obviously, Tyron Matthews is going to be around. He's the the landlord. He's the honey badger. You know, we got our three corners back. Hey, dog, maybe you can just chill a little bit because he ain't throwing the ball deep anyway. Now, Drew Locke has an arm. Problem is, um, they don't have anybody other than Jerry Judy. So, like... All you got to do is double cover him, right? 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 Um, maybe this is a plan to conserve him until they get to January where they may really need him. And the team I'm de- 
And what's the team I'm thinking of right now, Josh, that you really, really need Juan Thornhill for? You talking about the regular season? You're looking into the playoffs. Looking into the playoffs. They ain't on the schedule now. Uh, because I was gonna. I'm not too worried about the Saints without uh Taysom Hill. Yeah, or even Drew Brees coming off like Drew Brees coming off a rib injury. Like, how far can he throw the ball? You know that. Yeah, and that's not that's not shade. That's just like, hey man, like you're like when you when they say you come back, you're not a hundred percent. Like, I get it. Right. You know. But if you but here's the here's the crazy thing is I actually don't know what specific team you're thinking of come playoff time because here's the deal. Roethlisberger can't throw deep, but they've got a ton of weapons mm-hmm. that Ryan Tannehill and A.J. Brown might be the best non-Chiefs deep threat in the NFL, mm-hmm. not in the NFL because the Seahawks, well, in the AFC, yeah. mm-hmm. in the AFC at mm-hmm. least, uh, Josh Allen has a chooch and then it kind of falls <laughs> off after that. And I guess other than the Raiders again. <laughs> right. But that, but like. I mean, maybe Lamar Jackson to Hollywood Brown if they're there. I mean, the, the AFC really does have a whole a whole set of those guys whenever those games are going to count more. Right. I am mostly thinking of the Pittsburgh Steelers because they have the best collection of talent where you really, really need a deep dude to be like, where are my eyes disciplined? Do I have the yeah. range? Do I have the ball skills if we both meet at the ball at the same time? Like, I again, best guess, but I wonder if they're conserving his snaps to just get him to January, you know, if all things go extremely well, you get the bye week, he gets another week to like, you know, not nurse his ACL, but obviously you're not putting a ton of wear and tear on him um, in terms of his workload. And then you can really just like, hey, play free. It's the playoffs. You didn't play in the playoffs last year. I think that's something that C. Spagnuolo is clearly aware of. Like, hey, I don't want you to get to the anniversary of your injury and then get re-hurt with something else. And, you know, Josh, he, you know, Steve Spagnuolo mentioned Usually when a guy comes back from an injury of this magnitude, you know, you may injure something else, which is completely understandable given all medical history when it comes to specifically playing in like the NFL or the NBA. Like just because you come back from one knee injury doesn't mean the other knee isn't exposed more or that you may have something wrong with the ankle. Like they're just trying to manage him, I think, in a and I hope a smart way. I assume it's smart and also trying to conserve him so that. As long as no one throws it over our heads the way we throw it over people's heads, we can get away mm-hmm. with this. Um, now, you would feel better about that, I'm sure, if guys like Chris Jones and Frank Clark had more than nine and a half combined sacks all year. That's another yeah, point. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I think that's I think that's the idea. Because what I know about Ben Roethlisberger, watching him all these years, is yeah, we can dink our dunk ourselves to eleven and zero, and we're gonna get to them, y'all. I swear we are. We, We're gonna talk about them next because I, I I don't want to tease everybody any longer because that game was buck wild. <laughs> we can deke and dunk our way. Hell, I can throw seven yard slants from August all the way to December. But we all know mm. who Ben Roethlisberger is in January. I'm gonna <laughs> take these hits. I'm gonna stand in the pocket. You want me to stand in the pocket, and you know what? I'm gonna throw this ball 45 yards down the field. And look, they have. The, I think they have the best wide receivers in the AFC, not on the Chiefs roster. Like, yeah. I love – can I just – I think the Baltimore Ravens season ended when he broke four tackles, y'all. Four tackles mm-hmm. to get in the end zone. A.J. Brown. Oh, he a problem. <laughs> I love. I, I. I. Can I say something in podcast form? Because it can't get. I can't become a tweet. <gasps> I. Because I've. I've almost tweeted this. I. Sw- Nate. I swear to you, the, the. I've. I think three or four times. I've literally like 
had my phone in my hand to type this and I've just thought, I don't want to risk it. Um, but if I was going to take one player from the Tennessee Titans and add him to the Chiefs, to be A.J. Brown. Oh. I wouldn't hesitate for one gosh darn second. Oh. Not for a moment. Not for Not a, for a second. Moment. Not for a moment. Derrick Henry can run in circles all he wants <laughs> for the rest of the time. I don't care. If I could get A.J. Brown and just drop him on this Chiefs offense, I would do oh. that. He 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 might be a top five player in the league. I would do that for. I'm I'm now now I'm like I'm jumping ahead of myself, but I mean I love AJ Brown. Broke, I love watching him play. Football. He broke the Ravens, y'all. Not Derrick Henry. Yeah. Derrick Henry mostly finished them, which that's what he's yes. there to do. But he sure. broke the Ravens, like broke them. Um, he had he has he has like the McCole Hardman last year. The, some of the stats at the top of the the league in terms of oh like, yeah, that's right uh, mm-hmm. yards per reception. It was him and McCole Hardman, except for he also occasionally. Like he's he's yoked like D, like DK Metcalf like I just I love it I, I love you too <laughs> but but I think the Steelers have the have the multi because I love like I I adored Chase Claypool the moment I laid eyes on him on YouTube.com. every single oh, <laughs> I think about I think about how much you loved him back in the draft yeah now. yeah because we, we talked about him on this show yep. you're like listen. It was it was uh, the receiver out of Florida who I wanted to call Van Jones, but that's the CNN guy, right? <laughs> yes, Van Jefferson. Um, yes, he, he's Van Jefferson. Yeah, he's been good you. this year too. Yes, mm-hmm. he has been good. But you were like, keep an eye on him and on this Chase Claypool. Like, you know what? I will. And I've been watching Chase Claypool. Yeah. A lot and then now. I talked to Chase. Pretty cool. good. Then I talked to Chase Claypool at the combine the last time oh, I yeah. traveled, and I was like. I wanted to text everybody in the organization and be like, y'all know who this dude is, right? Like, y'all, like I'm not trying to do y'all's job. I'm just here to observe and report the news, but y- y'all know about him, right? And like, like Clyde Edwards-Alaire has been everything the Chiefs have needed for like 80% of this season. That dude is the offensive rookie of the year. It's Chase Claypool. I don't care about Joe Burrow. I mean, I do care about him, of course. I don't care about... You know, who who else? Like, I, I mean, I love Justin Herbert. God knows we all saw him first, okay? We could all say that this dude yeah. came out, like, I'm, play, I'm, I'm playing? <laughs> like, he came yeah. off the sideline. And we mm-hmm. all saw him first, so I get it. Justin Herbert, great, great player for a rookie. I think Chase Claypool's the best rookie in the league that plays on mm-hmm. offense. And I would mm-hmm. just love to see him against the Chiefs secondary because I think that's a – Really intriguing matchup with a quarterback who can throw the ball time with accuracy and still has a still has a strong enough arm to get the ball downfield. Now they tried it yesterday against the Ravens, and the Ravens are like, nah, dog. But hey, in terms of Juan Thornhill, he's a massive part to this season. But I do know, and maybe this will be reported, you know, a couple weeks from now, but I do know it puts that much of a burden physically, emotionally, and we've discussed them before. On Tyron Matthew, man, they are putting everything on that dude, and yeah, he's he's so good with with knowing that Juan's behind him for the ranginess to be his best, you know, his best version of of a football player. But man, taking Juan and you know removing him from a few snaps to get him ready for January, because again, he never played in the playoffs last year because of his ACL, does put a burden on on Tyron Matthew. Yeah. Um. Well, let's let's uh. Let's let's talk about Wednesday afternoon Sunday night football here in a second. But do you have a do you have a feel for the Broncos game goes? A little dismount here on uh, what we expect from primetime here. Um, you said the spread was fourteen. Yeah, so I have ESPN says uh, fourteen on the dot right Ooh, now on their little game cast. Thing. I mean, that's it. It definitely makes me think about it because 
Yeah. I mean, I think the Chiefs will win. Do you have any idea what their record, what the Chiefs record against the spread is this year? I don't. It was very good early in the year. I do remember, like, hearing statistics about, like, well, you know, Andy Reid in September, like, just take it to the bank. But, like, clearly, you know, teams like the Panthers and and obviously what the Raiders have done have made, I think, the Chiefs a a little less predictive in terms of the spread. So they were great early on. Um, But I don't know what exactly. I feel... I feel like the Chiefs will win. I know. Uh, I know. Seth has told me, like in our own conversation, he's like, it should be double digits. It should be, mm-hmm. you know, two scores. I kind of tend to agree with him. But you know, the Broncos were the league's biggest embarrassment last week. Like, let's not forget that. So, yeah, the Broncos will be on national television. I do want to give them the benefit of the doubt, as you know, we could also whisper into Drew Lock's ear, like you, you, you never come close. To being a football team with Patrick Mahomes on the field. <laughs> it just seems impossible. Yeah, I see it for I see minus 14 in other spot also. It looks like minus 14 yeah. is pretty. I, they win, but like I don't know if it'll be 14 or more. Yeah, I feel I feel very, very good about the Chiefs winning this game. I I similarly I think have a little hesitance around four. The thing there, here let, let me ask it this way. Just I don't think you could you could probably could bet on this somewhere. I'm not gonna encourage it because <laughs> I was watching enough football to know that betting on football is an absolute sucker's game. And a lot of us are suckers. I get it. Um, but do you think that they are up by 14 at any point, like in the second half? Because my hunch there would be yes. Sure. Yeah, I would say sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think that probably I think that makes sense. I if I had to give you a number, they they've they've been pretty good at at landing and in the in the 30s against teams that aren't, you know, yes. the the Bucks. Not and that game, yes. that game yeah. should have been mm-hmm. that game should have been in the 40s, but are in the 30s. But yeah, it was 35 against the Raiders, 33 against the Panthers, 35 against the Jets. As a reminder, first Broncos game was 43-16. That that would have covered a 14 point spread. I I like a little like mm, give me a little 34 to well, I was gonna say 34 to 20. <laughs> that's 17. <laughs> Damn you, baby. the holes. All the nails. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's what I was gonna. I'm gonna stick to it. I like 34 20. Don't bet on football. Don't. You're gonna lose hey, your house. Hey, I know it's enticing because you're like, hey, get more Christmas things for more of my friends and family. <laughs> but you could also lose things that you could get for your friends that's and family right. on Christmas. That's right. <laughs> anyway, uh, it ought to be fun. I and I've I've enjoyed the the, the primetime games and uh, you know getting to keep an eye on the rest of the league before that. Probably means we're gonna have a, a a podcast that'll come out a little later on Monday, though. If I had to guess, yeah, so, I would. I would know. assume so. it's got its it's got its pluses and minuses. Let's talk about that Steelers game. That was the game did actually get played uh, against all odds, and the NFL made it happen. And at the end, it got a little bit close. But what did you uh, what did you think about the the two teams that you saw? One quarterbacked by uh, RG three until it wasn't anymore, and then the other one, the undefeated Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, dinking and dunking it to a narrow victory over a team that ended the game with Trace McSorley at quarterback, I believe. Who I didn't even know was in the league. Yeah, me neither. Um, great game, great terrible game. Like, oh, uh, I was I was watching it as I was writing my story. Uh, that that came out on Wednesday as well. Um, it it like I don't want the league to do this. I I would like to keep the weekend schedule going. But hey, a nice little surprise with some. I mean, truly atrocious football. I'm not the first person to say that it looked like both teams didn't practice because, like, hey, we all know the realities of 2020. Um, mm-hmm. Divisional game. So NBC got the benefit of, like, 
this game should be close because these two teams know one another and the Ravens kind of needed to keep their season afloat. And it sucks because, like, you know, Lamar's not there. But, um, you know, I still have a lot of I still have a lot of respect for RG3, um, given the whole arc of his career. Like, we don't think of him the same way we think of Alex Smith. But like, whew, man, those, I would love to have long conversations with either one of those dudes. Um, mm-hmm. The Steelers are fine. The Steelers are good. Their record is what it says it is. <laughs> do we do we want to crown them, Josh? <laughs> I personally do not want to. Crown. Yeah. <laughs> um. So you know, a, a, a lovely, a lovely friend, a lovely, uh, a lovely person who you know just happens to follow. I think most of us on Twitter uh, sure. sent a message, and I think this was uh, this was early. This was early today at 1.48 a.m. On, on a lovely website called Twitter.com, um, where he tagged me, Josh, and Seth. What do y'all think it is? It is a quoted tweet of NFL memes. Now, how much should I take this <laughs> seriously? I don't think I've seen this tweet yet, I, so I'm very excited. I'm going to send it to you via text messaging as Excellent. we speak, sir. But excellent, excellent. The the handle is NFL underscore memes. Um, do I follow it? No. Am I here for a reason? Yes. So they created a graphic and it is it's accurate. Ooh, it's accurate. It it ain't great. <laughs> but it says that the Steelers have had a have had a cakewalk schedule. Like they've just said it, and let me let me just copy and paste for the for the group. Now we're gonna go through the schedule. I know this is terrible okay. podcast slash radio. It, no, no, no. It's all right. It, this is, first of all, it's a sports radio staple. And second of all, <laughs> if anyone hasn't done this yet, they're going to be very surprised. Week one, uh, the graphic says they, they beat Daniel Jones. It's a fact. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Week two, they barely beat the Broncos. Because you have to remember, the Broncos came down from like 20-something points and made it close. Mm-hmm. Um, we three they beat Bill O'Brien. We all know that. Um, shout out to this is what this this is this is what this is what the graphic says. Yes, so everyone yes. knows. It says week one beat Daniel Jones, week two barely beat Broncos, week three beat Bill O'Brien. Yeah, week four beat Carson Wentz. Now you could say, hey, at one point in time, Carson Wentz was like the darling of the NFL. Um, they they've had terrible drafts and they get injured all the time. So sure. Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, they beat the Browns. They called the Browns overrated. I tend to agree with them because they've also had a cakey schedule. Um, week no, week week five. They were the graphics says they were bailed by the refs versus the Titans. Now I understand what the graphic is saying here. One, have the Steelers had a bye week? Uh, not by normal <laughs> definitions, but no, they true. did beat the Titans. And look, the Titans also came back late. Was there pass interference? Did he make the field goal? He didn't. Hey, your record is what your record is. They're they're, they're moving on. Um. They barely beat the Ravens, and this is also true. And Lamar almost had a chance at a heroic, you know, fourth quarter comeback. Um, but hey, Mika Fitzpatrick made a great play on the ball. I don't think it's pass interference. Whatever. They beat the Ravens. We all were circling our calendars for the matchup. Y'all, they barely beat the three and eight <laughs> Cowboys. Like, mm-hmm. like, let's be real. Like they barely that game got close. That they barely beat the three and eight Cowboys. They slept well. As we all say. That game was 19 to 3 at halftime. <gasps> wow. Excuse me. Three. Sorry. 13 to 9 at yeah. halftime. I can't read. <laughs> and then it was 19 to 9 going into the fourth quarter. So look, the graphic says they barely beat the three and eight Cowboys. Again, 
It's true. These are facts. Um, they beat the two win Bengals. Hey, you we, we chalked it up even before we got on. Um, and then, <laughs> then they put the Jaguars logo and said beat Jake Linton, which is kind of fair. <laughs> I mean, like <laughs> Also, the graphic could have said beat the tanking Panthers because the t- or the, the the tanking Jaguars because the Jaguars are taking hard. They just waiting on you to make a mistake, Adam Gates. Just waiting on it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then of course, you know, Wednesday night football on an afternoon, not on Thanksgiving, actually a week after Thanksgiving. Hey, and they barely beat the Ravens practice squad in third string quarterback, which is also true. So here's the thing. It's all true. It's all those, true. Those like, are all true. Like I was, I was willing to be like, okay, what's this nonsense that's out here on Twitter? And then I read the graphic and I was like, I've got to mention this on Times Ours because Steelers yeah. overrated question mark. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Here, here's where I'm at on this. Cause here's the thing. Everything you just said is true. I, I've gotten a little bit, I've lost a little bit of my patience around the conversation because every, and this might just be Twitter, but every single like every single cell of this conversation <laughs> is toxic in its own way where it's just like the Steelers are overrated. They actually stink. And it's like, how could you say the Steelers are overrated? They're 11 and zero. like the NFL hates the Steelers. The NFL loves the Steelers. Like it's just, there's no, there's no breathing. There's no space to breathe anywhere within that. Here's, here's where I'm at. Here's what I think is duly true. As you've so artfully put it, the record is what it says it is. They're 11 and zero. They're undefeated. If they if they go beat Alex Smith, Josh Allen, whoever's playing quarterback for the Bengals, Phil Rivers, Bill Rivers. and Baker Mayfield, if they win those five games, they'll be 16-0, and they will be rightfully deserving of the number one seed in the AFC and that first round bye. And they're only bye of the year. They will deserve <laughs> that if they also win these next five games and they go 16-0. If they go 16-0... And then they, you know, they get that bye week and then maybe they get a rematch with the Colts or something like that. Or maybe they get the Titans in the uh, the, the wild card game mm-hmm. or the uh, the divisional round game. You know, God bless them. I could see them winning that game. Absolutely. And if they host the AFC championship game against the Chiefs and everybody, both of those teams are healthy by the time they get there. And the Steelers are 17 and 0 at that point, And the Chiefs are 16 and 1 or God forbid. Uh, fifteen and two at that point. Mm-hmm. Counting the, actually, they'd have to have another round. It'd be it'd be sixteen yeah, and two right. or 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 uh, seventeen and one. Yeah, wherever the Chiefs end up there, if the Steelers are still undefeated, the Chiefs have an extra game under their belt. All of that, and if they face off in Pittsburgh in the AFC Championship game, I'll go ahead and take the Chiefs minus three and a half on the road because I think that's what the line should probably be. Is that disrespectful to the Steelers? I don't care. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> I don't mean for it to be. I just think they're. I think they're a. I think they are a good team. That's not the best team in their conference. Meh. Okay. Uh, yeah. Sh- like uh, a, sue me. That's fine. Right, in a division that we thought was going to be better, and actually, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So yeah. I'm like, yeah, uh, yeah. Like, tell you what. Here on on that same note. You, 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 you take the take this to a Steelers fan. Hey, Steelers fans, do you think the Browns are overrated at eight and three? Because I'm gonna say this: I think the Browns, deserving of their eight and three record and whatever that might bring them in terms of a playoff spot, they're eight and three. Yes. They also beat the Bengals and the and Washington and the Cowboys and the Bengals <laughs> again and the Eagles and the Jags, <laughs> and they're gonna get the Giants and the Jets. 
They're going to win at least 10 games, and I don't think they're that good. Your division's got a little bit of a cakey schedule. Sorry about yeah, it. Yeah, it happens. Um, Like, they are good because they have a great coach. Yes, I said great when it comes to Mike Tomlin. And they have a great quarterback. They have a Hall of Fame quarterback in Ben Roethlisberger. Just start right there. They're, ar- they're obviously a good team. They have, a, they have an interesting yep. scheme. It sucks that Bud Dupree uh, tours ACL. Um, yeah. they're, they're starting to have some injuries on, on the defensive side of the ball. But look, TJ Watt, legitimate player, legitimate, you know, defensive player of the year, uh, can, you know, candidate um, in the non-Aaron Donald category in my eyes. But like, hey, really right. good football player. Uh, Mika Fitzpatrick, they made a trade that honestly was su- more successful than I thought it was going to be. Because I thought it was going to benefit the, the 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 Dolphins, and it has, it clearly has. But I thought it was going to be a little bit more one sided. They're a good team. Um, I you know for the last what month, Josh, we've had we've, we've been forced to watch Steelers football. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, it's like what like I, I look. You know, this is us. I got it. It's in Pittsburgh. Do I, I now have to watch the Steelers every week too? Um, so all that's to say is I want to see this game, whether it's divisional, whether it's championship, like I want to see this game because obviously they're not on each other's schedules. And I do think there is serious questions to how long they can keep this up. And listen to me, Chiefs fans, you're rooting your hearts out for Phillip Rivers. Think about that. Yes. And you know what? <laughs> Let yourself, it's going to feel good. It's so you can finally do it guilt free. And not in the way where you're like, Philip, all I need is one more pick, baby. One more pick. Like, not, <laughs> right now. You're not going to be saying that no more. You're going to be like, Philip, get your team to the playoffs. And in order to do that, you kind of got to beat the Steelers probably. Like, you know, so I I have some faith in Josh Allen. They did beat the Steelers last year, but obviously Ben Roethlisberger was not on the field. Neither was Chase Claypool. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I... I think the season comes down to that Bills game and to that Colts game. Obviously, the Chiefs have to keep pace. Uh, that, that's the you know that's one of the carrots still left on their schedule. If they clinch their division on Sunday against the against the lovely uh, Denver Broncos, but I'm um, I'm fascinated to see the matchup because even when Mahomes torched the Steelers, I don't feel like that was the Steelers. I feel like that was them kind of going through you know a little bit of a valley as they you know mm-hmm. as they start to rebuild around Ben Roethlisberger in a, in a really interesting manner. So I don't, I don't know, Josh, but I just know, like, you know, start, start thinking about later this month, you know, you, you're just going to be rooting for Philip Rivers in a Colts uniform. <laughs> yeah. I'm excited for that. I've always, I've always wanted, I've always wanted to have a reason to root for Philip Rivers in a meaningful way. I'm totally here for that. Here's a, here's a question I have for you. Let me, let me like, th- let me float this out there. Tell me how this sounds. I'm going to just say it as a factual statement. You tell me how this sounds. Cause I think I might believe it, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see how it sounds coming out of my mouth first. I think that the Steelers are more the Titans than they are the Chiefs. Mmm. Mmm, that is intriguing. Mmm. Because I- here's, here's, here's where I'm at. Mm. Here's where I'm at. There, there was the tweet, and this is, I'm only using his name because he, I mean, he said it, but like Aaron Schatz, who I think does typically really yes. great work for football outsiders. Mm-hmm. He had a t- he had a tweet that that made its way around a couple days ago about like I don't know how we- actually might have been yesterday these days have been long like I don't know uh, you know how this narrative that the Chiefs are unbeatable got around there you know they lost the Raiders listen you're never gonna you're never gonna hear me say oh the Chiefs are actually unbeatable because yeah they lost the Raiders I also am saying the Steelers are undefeated not unbeatable right I think that if you had the Steelers and Titans play you know a hundred times in a simulation 
the Steelers probably win like 60 of those or something like that. I think if the Chiefs and Steelers played 100 times, the, the Chiefs probably win like 70 of those or something. But that, that even those those uh, spreads there might be too extreme. I, I don't know because football is wild that way. But I, I kind of think the Steelers and Titans occupy a similar space for me of like teams that could absolutely beat the Chiefs on a Chiefs like B day and they're on an A game day. And I don't think either of them are beating the Chiefs firing on all cylinders. I, I think the Chiefs are I think the Chiefs are unbeatable if they play their best game. Not because, you know, it's unstoppable, but because I don't think anybody else's best game stands up against the Chiefs' best game. Right. I, I think I think that maybe Seattle if their defense is but, but I think that's kind yeah, of twenty eighteen. Chiefs like game. I can't trust that defense against Patrick no. Mahomes and Andy no. Reid and Eric Bianmi play. No, the, the, no. The, the 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 Chiefs Seahawks Super Bowl probably ends kind of like the twenty eighteen AFC Championship yeah, game, honestly. Right, right. I mean I I have a lot of respect for the Tennessee Titans when they're doing their best with the protocols. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I just I want to make that distinction. I, I really respect the, the Tennessee Titans. They they they've actually I think gotten better. They are more seasoned now for what lies ahead in January because last year was such a yeah. joy ride for them, and then the run happened, and then like reality started to set in. But hey, that that yeah that happens. You know, it's like yep some NBA teams have to get to the conference finals to realize, oh, this is what it takes to get to the NBA finals. Like, the Titans mm-hmm. are clearly in that sort of thought process. We're like, hey, um, now we kind of know. And now we yeah. know some of these games in October, like, yeah, we could have played better, but we we want to be our best selves come Thanksgiving. And they've really started to find true momentum. I mean, they smashed the Colts. Um, yeah. You know, and they got some little payback from earlier in the year. I. I feel like if you had to, you know, if we have to do the the power rankings now, I think because they're undefeated and because they have been Roethlisberger and, you know, Mike Tomlin, I still think the Steelers are the top, the top contender for the Chiefs in the AFC, but the Titans are right behind them because of obviously the two players we've mentioned earlier and Ryan Tannehill does not suck. He's, he's good. Put I, him in the Pro I feel Bowl better about already. Hill than I did at this point last year. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, put him in the Pro Bowl. They got a good coach who knows how to scheme things up in a way that 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 you know gives them their strengths. Um, oh, it's weird that like Mike Vrabel and Brian Flores are the best coaches to ever come out of Bill Belichick's tree. It is. <laughs> it is. It's wild. wild. Oh yeah. <laughs> but funny. I, I do think I do think those are the top two teams. Um. It would obviously be fun if we got Raiders Chiefs Part Three. I'm not saying I don't want that, or I wouldn't. I wouldn't be interested in seeing it. Um, you know, even Chiefs Browns would be a little, 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 little throwback to Big Twelve football. Um, yeah. So that would be fun. That would be fun. You know, go yeah. go get in there, Browns. Go get to the playoffs. Bring you know what? Bring me Josh Allen again. I'd be down with yeah, that. Sure. sure. Bring him to Arrowhead. Most of those matchups will be fun. Yeah. I mean, just so. But I think you're right, Josh. I think I think the Titans really do need to be discussed, especially if they go, you know, three and one, four and zero oh to end the season. And you know, I mean, the odds are against the Steelers, but their schedule is 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 undefeated. Like it, it can it can happen, which is you know, which is intriguing. All of this leads me to the story I did in June. And I'm going to start referencing it more and more because it's one thing that I really enjoyed, like, taking a deep dive into. But, look, the Chiefs are trying to do what the 
2004 Patriots did, right? Trying to be back-to-back champions. Mm-hmm. Last team to do it, right, Josh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm just, I'm, I feel like you're rolling. I feel oh, like okay. I, you threw yeah, the no, ball no, and I was just over here. Good. I was just over here pumping. I was pumping my fist in the air. I was waiting on Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so, yes, sir. So they're trying to be the 2004 Patriots. The, the, yeah. the coaching staff is intact. They got the Hall That's of right. Fame quarterback. They got the Hall of get Fame him. coach. The defense, All true. the defense wants to get better. Same as 03 to 04. Here's the thing that shocked me. I forgot that the 2004 Patriots did not have home field advantage throughout the playoffs. Really? They did not. The Pittsburgh Steelers under Ooh. a new young Ben Roethlisberger. Woo! Went 15 and 1 in, let me remind you, a weekend schedule. Oh, man. And the AFC Championship game was at Heinz Field. And I have watched plenty of documentaries. I've read plenty of stories about this. Obviously, I went through Pro Football Reference and statistically went through this. You can YouTube this game right now. Um, The Patriots were the defending champions, and the Steelers were the team who had the better record. And that tells you the outcome. So. I'm not saying history is necessarily going to repeat, but I'm saying that there's history to have a clear understanding of what may occur for the remainder of this month. Like if the Steelers go 15 and one or 16 and zero, they can be very 2000s, you know, four ish where, Mm -hmm. you know, the other team has Patrick Mahomes, you know, Andy Reid, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Le'Veon Bell. You know, Frank Clark, Chris Jones, you know, like a defensive coordinator that's done it two places in Steve Spagnuolo, Tyron Matthew, and Juan Thornhill, who's never played in the playoffs. I'm I'm not trying to be super predictive, but I am saying that there's history here. So I don't know how many Steelers fans listen to this podcast. I'm sorry that I have to mention 2004, but in the context of the Chiefs season, you can obviously go back and say it's been done before because the, yeah. the New England Patriots went down there and just put some. Whoop on them, man. I mean, whoo. I, I, I'd have to go back to see what the final score was, but it wasn't close at halftime. So uh, I, I like that. I like that comp a lot. That's very good. Uh, we're almost out of showtime here. So we've we've covered our Chiefs Broncos bases. We cannot be blamed cannot. if they lose this game. Hey, we said were. it might we're be trappy there. and kitchen seeky. We can't. Don't put that yeah. on us. <laughs> no, we're clear now. We've We've done our part. We've talked about the Steelers. We've talked about the first round bye. We've compared it back to the 03 or 04 Patriots. Do we, is there anything else we need to talk about or can we do, should we do like a minute on quarterbacks and COVID and, and then call this a day? Yes. Yes. You are right. Go ahead, sir. That is a great point. Okay. So in case you missed this, as previously discussed, the Broncos tried to get an assistant coach to play quarterback. The NFL said, no, thank you. So they said, all right, we'll pull up a wide receiver from our practice squad who played quarterback for a minute in college, and we're going to make him play quarterback. He threw two picks and one completion. It, you know, it wasn't good, I would say. Uh, and, and even he, then, he better, was only barely. He's better at football than you are better at your profession. Just, just think about that. Oh, 100%. <laughs> just think about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, he. I think it was one for nine for 13 yards and two picks. Believe it or not, I don't have it in front of me, but I do think that's what it was. Uh, he, he, he had that performance, and he was barely the worst quarterback on the field that day. Uh, you ain't oh, lying. No. Did I say it? Oh, I did. You ain't oh, lying, though. I said no. it. Oh, no. Oh, tweet me. See if I can. <laughs> uh, so, I got a lot of angst about Taysom Hill for some reason. It's completely irrational. <laughs> uh, but, so, the Broncos go through all that because I Jeff Driscoll, I think, was the one who actually tested was, positive yes, for COVID. Yes, that's correct. 
then that entire quarterback room, Drew Locke, Blake Bortles, somebody else whose name I've deleted because I can't remember. I feel like there was a fourth quarterback in that mix. Do you remember who it is? Well, I don't. Is there another. I don't one? remember who it is, but I know they they was it. Uh, they did sign Pat Shermer's kid, Kyle Shermer. Yeah, so Kyle Shermer's on the yes, roster he's on the now. roster now because of in in, <laughs> in the aftermath of this debacle. Yes. yes. So all that mess happens. Uh, Brett Ripien. Sorry Ooh. for Rhett, Brett Ripien that I also, continue to Also the son of a exists. former NFL quarterback. Yeah, son of uh, of Cal Ripien Jr., I believe. That was a joke. <laughs> Just so everybody knows. That's a tweet I don't want. I don't want you to tweet me about Cal that it's not and that it's spelled and pronounced completely differently than the Iron Man shortstop slash third baseman. Um, all of that notwithstanding. They go through that whole process, and then now they're keeping Blake Bortles away from the facility to keep that from happening again. They're going to have him, you know, reporting virtually and all that stuff. And uh, and that's a conversation that, that a lot of people had asked Reed about over the course of this whole COVID protocol year. Of like, hey, will you keep a quarterback isolated? You know, because it was Jordan Tomu for a while that was, you know, he was QB4. Right. He got cut after he was on the COVID list. Now they've got Chad Haney. Do you want to keep Matt Moore virtual? Andy Reid has said no, 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 no. He got asked about that again yesterday, and he said exactly what I expected him to say on that subject. Nate, can you unpack that a little bit? Andy Reid was like, hey, we're, we put the quarterbacks in a bigger room. I guess it used to be a room that was for staff. Uh, I don't necessarily know what that means, if that's coaching staff or if that's um, like player personnel departments. Like you, You're not sure. But like they're in a bigger room now, and Andy Reid used the word flawless to – assess the level of mask wearing that goes on between Matt Moore, Chad Henney, and Patrick Mahomes. Um, none of those players have been on the COVID list for close contact or obviously contracting the virus. And then Patrick Mahomes came up after Andy Reid on Zoom and said, uh, yes, there are times where we have to meet both in person and virtually to get the whole quarterback conversation, the quarterback meeting um, to be conducted, right? So mm-hmm. Mike Kafka is usually the fifth member um, because you can have five people in the room, right? So if it's the three quarterbacks in Andy Reid and or Eric Bieniemy, then maybe Mike Kafka is the guy that's saying, hey, here's how we're installing these players for the Denver Broncos. Here's how the game plan goes. Pat, what do you think? Oh, what do you what do you see here from this DB, Matt Moore? Okay, Chad Henney, how does this compare to what we did, you know, a month ago against the Broncos? All that happens. But if you add receivers, if you add a tight end, if you add in somebody from the coaching staff, whether it's, you know, Greg Lewis or Andy Heck from an offensive line standpoint, Greg Lewis is the receivers coach, of course. If you need Dylan McCullough to give you an understanding of like what the running backs are thinking on a particular snap for the quarterbacks to get a better understanding of how to exchange the ball or where they should be on a certain, you know, route, then that person needs to leave the room. I think only the quarterbacks stay. And so it's a rotation of the three quarterbacks and whoever else is needed at that time. And then if you are going to stay in the meeting, you need to do it virtually at another, you know, location in the facility. So there's only five people in a spread out room, more than six feet between them in terms of distance. And if you got to stay in the meeting, um, but we need the coach who's leading the discussion at this moment, then everybody else needs to leave outside of Patrick Mahomes, Chad Henney, and Matt Moore. And that and that basically, we just got the most detailed version of that, what you just explained. We got a lot of that from Reed, some of that from Mahomes. Actually, a lot of that from Mahomes. He kind of went through some of the details on uh, Wednesday. Mm-hmm. 
that I imagine has been you know, with some tweaks over the course of the year that I think that's more or less kind of what Reed had gotten and with help from uh, Rick Burkholder, who's apparently back in the building, by the way, after um, reportedly testing positive. That is COVID, correct. Which is just a, just a good thing to to hear um, that that plan sort of seemed like it seems like Andy Reed's been comfortable with that from the jump. And also. It just it's one of those places where where Andy Reid is occasionally kind of kind of old school, even with how new school his offense can often be like he would say, no, no, we're going to get into a big ass room and we're going to have our contact tracers that are going to ding if they need to ding. And if they ding, we got to get out of the way. You're going to keep on your mask and we're all going to be in this room and then we're going to be on that field and we're going to have hands on in person, you know, experiences here that that they that he thinks if we if we follow all the rules we have in place. We'll be able to do that safely, and and so far, so good. Yeah, and uh, the Chiefs are one of the few teams, because the Athletic, I, I'll give a little secret, the Athletic is compiling every team's COVID list, and so I've been able to see other teams' lists. Obviously, man, you look at the Ravens, and it just makes you so sad, um, just from like a human mm-hmm. element, because you can kind of, mm-hmm. based on the date, you can kind of see, much like you know any corporation or any you know family that has to go through this, you can kind of see how the virus has, you know, unfortunately spread so the chiefs in looking at the data that we're going to print out i think next week i mean sorry but i kind of gave her i kind of gave some secrets but like we have the athletic (laughs) danielle (laughs) we have the athletic have put together the entire cobalist to our best understanding and talking with every team and obviously the transactional wire from the league um the chiefs are one of the better teams who have been able to you know mostly escape this now i think the most prominent player who's gotten COVID is miko hardman uh, he was the emergency player for the Raiders game, the rematch. But then when Byron Pringle got hurt is why he played his snaps. He had a, he actually had a very important completion on the game-winning drive. But, you know, uh, the Chiefs have been commended so far because of Rick Burkholder and the work of, you know, obviously Andy Reid and the entire athletic training staff. They've been able – they were the first team, right, to get their COVID plan basically approved by both the league and the Players Association, mm-hmm. obviously because they were going to play the first game uh, this season – um, hosting the Texans on September 10th, but uh, they've done everything as best they can. And what appears to me in talking to a couple people in the organization is when COVID has impacted the Chiefs, whether it's Anthony Sherman or from a close contact situation, it all, they they have the sense that it's from the outside, from the actual world, you know, that we're all living in. Mm-hmm. And the facility has been mostly maintained in a tight, orderly manner. So they deserve praise for that. Obviously, they've tried to keep people as safe as they can. And look, as we all go out throughout our days, you, you do your best with the information available to you, and then hopefully everybody stays healthy. There we go. That seems like a, a good enough spot to jump off as any. Uh, you can uh, enjoy our coverage over the course of the weekend, and you follow us on Twitter and whatnot during the uh, the Chiefs-Broncos game. Nate is at by Nate Taylor. I'm at JB Briscoe. The absent but soon to be returning Seth Kaiser is at Real MN Chiefs fan on Twitter. Uh, you can also check out. I'm not actually sure what Seth's plan is for this week in terms of uh, if he's doing anything else up on the Athletic. But uh, obviously, Nate, you've got the stories from this week already up there. Uh, going back to the Bucks game, if you missed that, and then also uh, looking at at you know Samuel Watkins's return and, and where the Chiefs' offense is at right now, you can go read about that up on the athletic right now. And uh, I think that's, I think that's more or less it. Did we, did we cover everything? And if so, you can just say yes. And then say something snappy <laughs> in the episode. Uh, yes. And I can tell you, somebody has told me that I work with that. Maybe there will be a Seth Kaiser article by the time you hear this on the Kansas city Ooh. chiefs. 
Um, Ooh, stupendous. Yeah, so tremendous. Shout out to Seth again. He's working for a job, y'all. Um, lastly, I know I kind of whispered a fact about Drew Locke. It would be great if nobody whispered to Drew Locke that he hasn't come close to beating a Patrick Mahomes team yet. It would be, it would be stupendous if we just didn't let that happen. Also, I would just to add on to that, I wouldn't whisper near Drew Locke because he probably won't have his mask on. 